Kenneth's got his festive jumper on. It's part two of the Do More Good Christmas special. And this time we're talking to the charity partners for the Give a Little Love campaign. We hear about the magic of food, building sustainable relationships, why charities should not sell themselves out too cheaply, and keeping a secret like the John Lewis Partnership. Welcome to season five of the Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. The Do More Good podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good podcast. Do more good. Do good. Do more. Do more good podcast. Do more good podcast. That's what you want me to say. Okay. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. Here we are, James, episode number 66 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Kenneth. We're back with the second half of our Christmas special. Yeah, first time we've done two two kind of back-to-back episodes pretty quickly. But, you know, obviously all of our listeners who've worked tirelessly this year, we've got to give them a double dose of Do More Good in December, haven't we? Exactly. There's one more present under the tree for them. Yes, lovely stuff. Yeah. How are things with you? You good? Yeah, I'm all good. Thought I'd put a bit of a festive jumper on there today. In fact, I've had it on for probably three or four days, so probably could do with with coming off now. But no, uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. Just ramping up to to Christmas, really trying to tie off a few loose ends, and yeah, it's been fun, hasn't it? All of these Christmas socials that we've been having. Um, have you you guys had any at Sue Rider? Um, we have ours tomorrow night, actually. So our our yeah virtual Christmas is tomorrow night. But we've had all sorts of drama here. I'm in Greenwich, so. Our schools suddenly shut today. I don't know if you've seen it on the news, but the kids are out. They are very excited. The parents well, less so. We'll, we'll expect so. a little interruption then maybe we'll <laughs> at some point during this. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, look, James, as you said, it's our, it's our second of our two-part Christmas special. We were lucky enough to speak to Peter Cross, the Customer Experience Director from, from John Lewis and Waitrose last week and had a really good conversation about the Christmas ad and their give a little love campaign and this week we've got two more exciting guests which can hopefully give us a different perspective on that campaign i'd like to firstly introduce lindsay who's the ceo of fair share lindsay's passionate about fighting hunger and food waste in the uk and since he joined fair share in 2010 the number of charities receiving food from fair share has grown from 600 to more than 11,000. lindsay has a 30-year senior management experience in the sector Previously, he was chief exec of the Institute of Fundraising, where he doubled income and membership and established the Fundraising Standards Board. And Lizzie is also a member of the Mayor of London's Food Board and a trustee of the Institute of Grocery Distribution. So welcome, Lindsay Boswell, to the Do More Good podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And and we just have to say, before we do get on and introduce our other guest, is Lindsay is on brand today, isn't it? We didn't inform him that we weren't going to put this out on video. So he, he, he's looking absolutely amazing in his Give a Little Love t-shirt there. You don't want me to go into that story, do you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one for later. And our second guest who, who's, who's also joined us today is Peter Grigg. So Peter, CEO of Homestore, he joined them in January 2020. So he's about to complete his first year in the post. And it's certainly been a challenging one. 
Before Homestart, he was Director of External Affairs at the Children's Society, leading policy, campaigns and communications and strategy for the charity. And previously, Peter was Director of Policy and Communications at the Family and Childcare Trust and the Family and Parenting Institute, leading work to support families and parents struggling with debt, poverty and mental health challenges. And Peter has previously worked supporting youth entrepreneurship in the learning and skills sector and for a political advisor. So again, we'd like to welcome Peter Grigg to the Do More Good podcast. Hello, lovely to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Peter. Thanks for joining us both. We know that you must be extremely busy at this time of year. Lindsay, over to you first. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey into the sector, where it all started? And bearing in mind, we have only got 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It started where I think it all should start, which is I volunteered for a charity, which was blown away by what they did. It was an overseas uh, youth development charity called Operation Rally now changed its name endless years ago to Rally International. And it takes young people overseas and gives them um, life experiences that are to die for. It's like a sort of baby VSO, I suppose. And at the time I was an army officer and what Rally was doing blew me away in terms of the personal development side. Uh, And so I left the army and, uh, and they foolishly offered me a job and the rest is my history. Lovely stuff. And Peter, you have gone with the badge option today to be firmly on brand, but you started at Homestart in January 2020. What a year to start a new job. It's been a bit of a year, hasn't it? Yeah, (laughs) it was nice to start in January. I know some chief execs have started since the actual lockdown, haven't actually, you know, ever physically met their teams. At least I had a few weeks getting around the country, seeing a few home starts, meeting people. So I feel like I I, I was lucky enough. But, uh, you know, ever since we've been sort of in pandemic mode, haven't we? And and there's, I'm sure we'll talk about, there's lots of challenges that that presents. But also, and not just being cheesy, there are lots of of opportunities and silver linings in it all as well for charities to do their job better so a bit of both really it's been a it's been a busy year and peter what was your journey into the sector i mean heard from Lindsay there in terms of volunteering how did how did you end up making that jump into the charity sector i studied um, social policy and politics at union i thought i wanted to get involved in politics and then i worked for a political advisor i was working for a chap called lord gould and we were doing focus groups for the blair government and it was fascinating, but um, it was such an insight into politics that it scared me off ever wanting to get anywhere near politics, really. And, and I saw policy development and charity se- the charity sector is much more interesting as a result of that job. So I sort of I bounced off in from politi- sort of formal politics into the charity world and I've loved it ever since. So that's my that's my story in a nutshell. Everybody has a slightly different way in into whatever role they take in it, but it always an interest interesting hearing about it. Peter, you were saying that this year has been a bit of a, a different one. Certainly we were talking, we've talked to people throughout this year. Uh, one in particular was Ellie Orton at NHS Charities Together. And what, a, what an amazing year that, that those guys have seen and how they could never have predicted it. I think they were looking at their five-year strategy and hit it in about three days, I think. And certainly, Lindsay, you guys have had quite the year. You have risen in the, in the kind of public consciousness. I'm sure income has reflected that as well. Yeah, it's been mad. I mean, mad, mad in a good way, but f- for sad reasons. We're all about surplus food. And the driver before the whole pandemic started was whilst we were providing 
what, what was it back then? 933,000 meals every single week for frontline charities. We knew that that was single digit percentage of the amount of food that we could redistribute. And so over the last couple of years, we've gone through, we've gone through, I think, a really, really interesting exercise where my, I turned around to my board and said, look, if we're going to grow and we're going to achieve the ambition that we need to, we need to have the mindset and the structure of that ambition. So in the last two years, we've managed to, through amazing partnerships with a whole range of organizations, we've managed to put £20 million worth of investment into having a a really, really first-rate leadership team within the organization. But right across the UK, from Aberdeen down to the Brighton coast, bigger warehouses, more vans, more capacity. And so when the pandemic hit, we actually had the ability to double overnight. And we trebled overnight. And that's now stabilized at us going from under a million to over two million meals every single week. Wow. Cool. That is, that is some growth, but well done. And Peter, as, a, as an organisation in Homestart that obviously focuses on the family in the home, a massive volunteer network, I'm sure you've seen a, a huge increase through the effects of 2020 on, on your organisation. Yeah, so for an organisation that prides itself on home visiting, we've not been allowed in anyone's homes and we've not really been allowed to visit anyone. So it has posed somewhat of a challenge uh, to our core model of training volunteers and getting them into homes to stand alongside families. Uh, what has been so pleasing is, seen, is, is just seeing how many home starts are just reacting to the challenge and adapting their services. So, you know, in those early days of the pandemic, when the loo rolls were sort of flying off the supermarket shelves and everyone was sort of panicking, and there's a lot of adrenaline around, actually, those first few weeks was about our volunteers mobilising aid and, and goods to families who couldn't get them, some baby milk, nappies, food in different ways. And then as it sort of panned out, we, we were here for the long haul, Homestart started adapting their services. So getting digital, getting video calls in, getting, you know, when we've been able to, going for walks with families and trying to lend support in those different ways families were pretty bored weren't they in the summer so we were doing things like craft activities getting celebrities to read books and things uh, just to keep families engaged and connected so that's been the large part of the pandemic i think the work of fair share got to just shout out not just because he's here but because fair share has been such an important part they connect with so many charities around the country actually getting food to families it's been it's been horrific to see how many families have needed that and their families that had needed it before the pandemic and there are many new families who weren't as familiar with food banks and uh, I guess the structure of, of asking for help in that way it's been a real challenge and I'm so glad that our home starts across the country have been involved in part of that I think where we're at now, I think people are just really tired, aren't they? I think the tanks are low. I think families are tired. I think volunteers are tired. Obviously, you know, a lot of volunteers have had to shield themselves and particularly our older volunteers. So it's been quite draining. And I think everybody's sort of hoping that we can reset and start again in 2021, aren't they? And Peter, I mean, you touched on it there. It has been draining. And, you know, we like to, to share a bit of insight in, in the show for others in the sector. For you both personally, as the leader of these organisations, how has 2020 been for you personally, Peter? Homestart is a is a federation. Um, so like Mind and Samaritans, 
it has a sort of central body and, and independent charities as branches. And I think always with a federation, it's quite difficult to make it work because um, it's important that local charities have their independence and their autonomy. But the centre is there to try and provide some coherence and alignment to all of that. And like every federation, I think you go through cycles where actually that's quite challenging and, you know, the value is not always seen both ways. So part of the job that I had coming in was really looking at that question and making sure that we spoke as one one movement, one collective entity that's there for families and children. There's so much work, good work is being done at Homestar. Um, but we could do even more to make sure it's as greater than the sum of its parts. So that was my journey in January. And then the pandemic hit. And if it's done anything, it's really sort of fast forwarded that, that question of we're in this together in our local communities, across the charity sector. I think collaboration feels more real than it ever did before. I think we all said the words before, but I'm not sure it always turned into actual collaboration. And the same is true of our federation. So a lot of the things that I would have liked to have focused on and tried to start uh, working on was building that sense of shared movement really across the Homestart network and, and that's what we've seen so the first thing we did at Homestart UK was to drop everything we're doing pick up the phone and speak to a local Homestart find out what's going on and how can we be helpful so we put on webinar series we put on guidance around the the pandemic we put on you know different craft activities as ideas and things like that that actually have really created a sense of togetherness uh, across the movement and i don't I, you know i don't think that's enough I, and, and i think there's more to be done on on making building on that sense of togetherness across homestart but also the charity sector but actually the pandemic has demonstrated that, that we have more in common than we have indifference and as charities will be facing real storms ahead I think one of the key questions leaders in the charity sector have to ask themselves is how genuinely are, are we collaborating? How genuinely are we putting the problem on the table and coming around together to sort it out? And what's been nice about this John Lewis campaign, actually, is that it, is, it does feel like a genuine collaboration. We didn't just sort of make up that there's some connection between Fair Share and Homestart. There is. There are Homestarts delivering through Fair Share. Fair Share talk about food poverty. We see this in and out in our, in, in our, in our work. So it feels quite real. And, and I, you know, I won't speak for Lindsay on this, but certainly it feels all along the way that we've done this in true partnership, which I think is a good sign of, of, of what we need to do more of into the future. And what about for yourself, Lindsay, in terms of the, the impact you've already touched on your organisation and the impact? But what about on, on you as the leader of Fair Share and that, that growth that, that you've seen this year? In some ways, I think you know, I, I, I've been here for 10 years, so I've, I've got things really lucky i think if i get my maths right peter peter had been in role about 10 weeks um, and you know and, th- and therefore you know that really difficult bit of building relationships when you're not face to face you know is, is quite tough so you know i think in that respect i had i've had it easier i think in one area where i've had it probably tougher than peter is uh, i'm a dinosaur using all of this new technology at the same time as where fair share went onto the cloud you know, if you get me onto the subject of SharePoint, I'll start using very, very bad. <laughs> we had we had a very amusing moment at one stage where actually we were doing some training. Bless them, one of the one of the team, uh, a relatively junior person, uh, sent a Slack message. I'd only just worked out how to use Slack at that stage. Uh, sent a Slack message to the trainer saying, "I think you need to do Lindsay offline. He's not perhaps picking it up as fast as the rest of us." And of course, because he was sharing his screen at that particular moment in time, I read the Slack message. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the little stories that happen. But, but, but the serious point behind it is Fair Share is a very young organisation, uh, present company excluded. We're, we're, we're in the early 20s with most people. And I was really, really aware of people sleeping overnight in their bed, then sitting up with a laptop on their lap. So we work really, really hard to try and um, try and support people like that. So we've, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've sorted out a London office. We've sorted out some other spaces. The WeWork organization gave us some free space for a while. We've done a lot of mental health training over the course of, uh, uh, over the course of the last few months to try and really make sure that we look after our people. I have a 24-year-old daughter who had started a, a, her new job, also in fundraising, three weeks before lockdown started. I can see firsthand some of the frustration, the anxiety, the commuting down the staircase, stress. And oh my God, how the hell did I not see this coming? And why am I stuck in here with my parents type of type of stuff? I imagine there's quite a few people listening to this who really get and understand that. And so the thing I've really concentrated on is trying to be in a place where I can understand and empathise and then work with my senior team to say, right, how are we going to overcome this? Peter talked about adrenaline. Adrenaline absolutely drove fair share through the, through the first lockdown. But we then found that actually, hang on, we're, we're sprinting, but this is no longer a sprint, it's a marathon. And we're going to fall over if we don't do something. And that's where slightly more, you know, slightly sort of greater experience to be able to say to people, guys, slow down. There are things that we must stop doing. What are they? Because we can't cope otherwise. And so that we can really, really sort of focus on the pandemic itself. Fair Share has just taken all of its sacred cows of the ways that it work. And we built a bonfire and we burnt them all. We just said, right, that's yesterday. We need to do stuff completely differently. And the interesting challenge now is trying to work out, okay, so which of the things that we used to do, do we want to reenact? And how much of the way that we and we've done stuff in 2020, do we want to continue with? Personally, I find that really exciting and, uh, and rewarding. And I think the other point, just to finish on, is I think Peter and I both get and understand that we're incredibly lucky because we're working in organisations that can make a difference during the pandemic. And there are people in medical research or, or, you know, or cancer um, char- charities, et cetera, et cetera, who've just had their lives knocked completely sideways. We're not in that position. We're really, really fortunate. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah, that is a, that is a nice way to, to see it. This year, in amongst that pressure, both at work and, and as you talked about, Lindsay, at home, and as Peter, you talked about the adrenaline and the innovation and the collaboration, you guys managed to secure partnership with one of the biggest retailers in the country, the one that everybody wants, John Lewis. Christmas so how did how did that come about where whereabouts in in all of that did you find the time to to make this work so the interesting point from our perspective is you know how competitive the retailers are with each other you know they are all competing for our weekly shop and they're absolutely terrified that if they don't meet our our needs we will immediately go to their direct and darkest rival we have to walk that balance every single week because we work with all of the supermarkets in fact, we work with the whole of the food industry because there is surplus everywhere. And so one of the interesting sort of challenges, I think, through the whole process has been absolutely responding and listening to everything that John Lewis has been saying to us about 
what is special and important about Give a Little Love and responding to that, but also making it really clear, but we are going to continue to work with your rivals. And and for me, this, the trick and the secret there has just been being really, really honest and, and straightforward in terms of the relationship and the communications. And I have to say, we found the team at John Lewis are absolutely living all of the values of their campaign. They're fab. And um, and I'm not just saying that because I know at least one of them will bother to tune in and listen to this. They are a fabulous and nice bunch of people. Just before we go to, to Peter for the start of, of your relationship with them, that was a really key point that came up last week about the charity seeing their own value in that relationship and not feeling lucky for having John Lewis. Actually, you guys bring a lot to that partnership yourselves, that, that they want to have you guys on board. You know, I always, always believe that a, a corporate will respect you if you draw lines in the sand and you push back. You know, and I've done that at various different times. Our brand... The, the, not, not fair shares, but our sectors, the work that we do, the complexity and sophistication of it is too important to, to sell ourselves out cheaply. Yeah. And Peter, how did the relationship come about for you guys? We were really fortunate that John has reached out to us and contacted us to say that they were thinking about doing some work with families and would we be interested? Uh, you can guess what the answer was. <laughs> You know, for, for I mean, for Homestart, we've, we've been around 50 years and almost 50 years. And I think in local communities, we're really well known and loved. Like where people have worked with a Homestart, they just, they, they stick with us as volunteers, as families moving forward. But actually, sometimes, often, I've heard Homestarts describe ourselves as a best kept secret. People haven't heard of Homestart. And so we're not up there, I don't think, in the brand rankings with the bigger household name charities. So we've got a real, we've always had our work cut out. And what what I've always heard, certainly when I got the job, what I heard from lots of people is what you need to do is build our brand. You need to get more people talking about Homestart. And so really, we're really fortunate. John has got in touch with us. I know how many competitive campaigns there are for corporate partnerships. And it wasn't one of those, actually, which is we're just delightfully lucky. And they've been in touch. And as Lindsay says, they've been such a joy to work with. And I guess the most important thing from my end is that we the first meeting we had with them, we talked about they asked us, what, what would you want out of a relationship like this? And we talked about, well, of course, money is brilliant because it can enable our work. But much more importantly than that, we need a platform, a sustainable long term platform to talk about our work and to get volunteers on board. And they've really respected that and built in everything they can to try and make that possible. So I'm really optimistic that beyond I mean, Christmas is brilliant and it's really exciting to see our names on, on the advert. But but beyond that, I think there's such longevity to this in communities around the UK. Yeah, lovely. And how many people of those who, who told you to build the brand have you forwarded the YouTube clip to? And how many times a day do you do that? Well, uh, you know, at least once a minute. It's been a joy to talk about it, obviously. And people are just beam with delight. Because we had to keep it really secret, didn't we, Lindsay, for quite a lot, long time. And so we were trying to mobilise our Homestart community to be ready for it. But we couldn't say John Lewis or Waitrose. So we were setting up all these meetings that were going to have a, a reasonably sized corporate partnership. We couldn't tell them it was too big because then they guess who it was. And they were going to have this thing and it's going to be really important. So you might just want to start getting your websites freshened up a bit and think about your sort of comms activity and your social media platforms. And they'd all say, who is it? Who is it? But 
there was this book running around the Homestart network as you know who's it gonna be (laughs) (laughs) the the smile on people's faces and these are volunteers who've been with Homestart 20 30 years and and staff members and and longer some of them they're just so delighted so proud to see our name associated with it so it's really brought so much joy to the network James is running a bit late as usual so it gives me a quick opportunity just to give you an update on where you can find more about us on the social channels so we're on Twitter and Instagram at Do More Good Pod. You can also visit us on the website at domoregood.uk. There you can find loads of episodes and information. And we're also launching our new newsletter soon. So you can hear all about our latest episodes and get some of the VIP content. Oh, here he is. Come on, James. Where you been? One of the questions that I wanted to ask you, and we spoke a little bit to Peter Cross from, from John Lewis about this. And, and actually, as you say, Lindsay, one of the things that he re- reflected on in terms of the partnership with you guys was that there was an honesty in there and you were very clear on the communication up front, which I think you know we talked a little bit about in terms of maybe not typical to hear from a charity corporate partnership. You know, too often people are kind of very just honoured to be there and get the partnership opportunity and, and not very upfront. But I, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the campaign and, it, and its development and, and maybe that initial conversation about what you wanted to get out of it. How did they manage or how did you, working with John Lewis and Waitrose, manage to get it so right? Because I think the, the partnership and the ad itself and the campaign, you know, it, it embodies community, it embodies kindness, it, you know, it kind of, but it also has that amazing kind of fundraising ask. So, yeah, the question is, how did you and your teams kind of play into that and, and, and make sure that that came out in the end, Lindsay? I mean, the first thing to really make clear is, you know, we didn't have an influence on the, on the Give a Little Love uh, name, the branding or, or, or the advert, the in-store fulfilment, the point of sale, as it's called. All of that is, is an internal waitress um, and John Lewis thing. What they did was look really hard at who they felt fitted. And so when they came and talked to us, we already work with Waitrose. Every single Waitrose store at the end of the day gives its surplus food to a charity that we found and, and facilitate to go there. So we already had a relationship there. And, but this is on a completely quantum different level. They made sure that they found two organisations that absolutely fitted into Give a Little Love, absolutely fitted into their key focus within that, which is families, you know, Peter's. 100% about families, 63% of the charities that we work with are working with and supporting families in one shape or form. Actually, the credit, I think, needs to go to Peter and his team. They found us. They probably found us both a little bit feistier than they thought we would be. But actually, that's really, really developing a fantastic partnership. And what about for yourself, Peter? Would you echo Lindsay's comments on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, the, all credit to, to John Lewis' partnership. They were brilliant. And they have been humble. They've been reflective. They've been responsive. And they've been genuinely open for conversations where we've been debating different things. And they sort of say yes, no. And we, and we have just honest conversations. It's been, a, it's been great. What was really nice as well is on Friday, we got to meet... Sharon White, who's the chair of the John Lewis Partnership and the senior team. And they came around for a day where they visited Homestart's work in Greenwich and then onto a fair share depot and to see some of the impact of fair share uh, distribution. 
they're just so interested in it like this is on it feels genuinely something that they're committed to for the long term which is it just comes across in all their teams and everything they're doing which you know john lewis's model is is a bit different is focused on partnership so you might imagine them to be good at partnership but they, they are and we're not just not just saying it because because we're in the midst of the campaign it feels it feels quite special and I, I don't i don't know where this all goes really in terms of what does it mean for the sorts of corporate partnerships that need to be created post pandemic but there is something in here that's i think quite important for the charity sector which is how do you develop those longer term sustainable relationships based on need and based on what's going on around us because there's there's far too much short term this isn't there in, in the fundraising space and stop start and we end up competing against each other all the time as charities to, to get the attention and I and I, I, do, I totally understand why that's necessary but there have got to be some better models out there surely yeah absolutely there's that whole point around how much we spend on pit or pitching for partnerships and whether they're overall or they're actually that cost the sector the money than, than actually people raise from it and what's really lovely to hear is Kenneth and I were talking about this before before it came up about how John John Lewis and Waitrose are the good guys of the high street and it's lovely to hear that actually came through and they and they were fully um uh, they collaborated with you and were quite authentic in that approach James I do I do just have to point out that there, there are other retailers who are fantastic good guys as well remember I'm I'm, I'm working <laughs> with all of these guys all right <laughs> Absolutely. Other, other supermarkets are available. And our fab too. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, so for you guys, Peter, you touched on this a minute ago, but what does success look like for you as part of this campaign? Yeah, it's the old money, time and voice thing, really. They've set some very ambitious targets, John Lewis and, and Waitrose. And if we can generate some income from this uh, for, for our work and for Fair Share's work, that's brilliant. Of course it is. But in terms of time, we're looking for new volunteers. We've had 800 volunteer inquiries already, uh, which is fantastic. So we have 13,000 volunteers across the Home Start network. Um, so if we can really boost those numbers through this campaign, brilliant. But I think the voice thing is quite interesting. It feels to me as though families and children have been entirely ignored from pandemic response stuff, uh, from the spending review to work around sort of planning. It, there, there isn't really a family's or child children's lens other than children that existed within the school or not within a school where you're in, in Greenwich, James. But um, yeah. but I, I think the to, to be able to talk about the needs of families being long lasting, the, the need to bring kindness into communities to support families who are struggling. I think that's that's an important part of this, isn't it? Raising the voice, raising the issues, because you where you see this happening in uh, in the Waitrose stores, in the John Lewis stores, family people are coming in and looking at the signs and saying, oh, fair share, I didn't know they existed, or I didn't know how to support them. Oh, Homestar, I didn't know you could get help for families who are isolated or facing mental health struggles. And, and so hopefully we're building a voice that is putting the needs of families and children on the radar a little bit more. So no, no big asks at all, just all of those things. Mm. And I think Peter is so on the money there because what's really, really important here is that no two families have identical issues. They may have the same basket of issues, but in different percentages, in different weights, in different stress levels at different times. And the Homestart teams across the UK and those grassroots organisations that we work with and support who are adapting the love and the support and the arm that they wrap around metaphorically those families in a subtly and different way. 
And we as a country, and I think it's dramatically importantly, the government needs to understand the value of the grassroots community sector. Because the 11,000 organisations that we provide food to, who are the real heroes in the fair share story, are triaging and adapting the really effective support that they provide to people in a, in a way that is beyond measure in importance. And that's why the love bit of give a little love is so important. Just building on that, Lindsay, the nice thing about the word love, although, you know, it's cheesy, it's a bit Christmassy, it's that actually the charity sector has become a bit afraid of words like love and friendship because it's it's all become a bit sanitised, uh, you know, a bit scared of using words like that because, you know, understandably there's been huge focus on making sure that that we have the right safeguarding responses in place, making sure that we're keeping our boundaries as charities is super important. But as a result, sometimes we're a bit worried about using terms like love. It's quite interesting that John Lewis has focused on that word and that it's got such a positive response. I think people are missing a bit of love and emotion. And what more can charities offer really than love, kindness, thoughtfulness, and, and that sort of response in our communities? Yeah, there was quite a bit of discussion, wasn't there? I think I seem to remember maybe 12, 18 months ago, maybe a few articles around big corporates representing them, talking about themselves like a charity would. And, and a few people in the sector were saying, you know, is this the right way that we want to go if a big corporate is talking about it? But it, it seems in this manifestation, in terms of the campaign, it's represented both of your organ- organisations correctly. As you talked about, it kind of represents the retailer in, in, in what their values are. And so I wonder, as we look to the future, whether we'll see more corporates continuing to talk like this, whether the charity sector itself will go, as you say, Peter, and start, you know, maybe being a bit more emotional in, in how they're talking. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see charities sort of reconnect with the emotional side of our work. I think the pandemic has shown how important community response is and looking after each other. So, you know, I think there is room for that. There are troubles ahead. There are perfect storms ahead. We know that actually jobs are going to go in charities but also in retailers you know so alongside this John Lewis have been you know closing stores and there's the 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 reality of this is that we're moving into an environment where resources will be more finite and so whether it's about sort of getting sharper at talking and communicating to as corporates and as charities uh, whether that has to mean being a more emotional more emotive or not I don't know but but certainly, I think we're going to have to be smarter, more collaborative, more joined up, I think, is the answer, really. I, I think it's just a waste of everybody's resources if we're all, all doing little things that look quite similar, um, but there's no cut across. So if if five different charities are setting up a campaign to do something post-pandemic, can we just at least have a conversation about looking at the similarities across it? Now, that's not to say that everything has to all be joined up in one super campaign because that's not going to make any sense either but if this just encourages us all to check in with each other and be a bit more honest in that collaboration then I I'd be glad of that. Lindsay collaboration I'm, I'm sure from your organization the amount of charities that your work is, is is key you'd like to see more of that across the sector in future? Absolutely and that's one of the things that really attracted me to, to Fair Share 10 years ago because whilst we're not a federation in the same way that um, Homestart is if you go to any of the uh, any of the individual fair shares, whether it's in Belfast or in Aberdeen or in Edinburgh, Glasgow, or right across the whole of England and Wales, 
those are all run by independent charities because we sensed at a very early stage that trying to understand what actually needs to happen at a real community level of handing over food to somebody who needs it, the view from London is warped. And so all Fair Share is is a partnership. We have our delivery partners uh, and we then have the the partnership that we have with the 11,000 grassroots charities that we give the food to. And that partnership side is is absolutely fantastic. And I think there are lots and lots of examples of where the voluntary sector does work together. What we're not very good at doing as a sector is making sure that the public see and understand that. We know from all of the research time and time again that they all think that there's too many charities. Well, look, I mean, I just wanted to wrap up, sorry, with one question. Conscious of your time, and thank you very much for, for giving up your, your afternoon to speak to us. But just kind of the last question on the, the whole 2020, the John Lewis and Waitrose campaign. What have you learned about yourselves this year in terms of working on this campaign? Maybe it's the, the, the exposure that it's given you as organisations. Maybe it's been more down to the practicalities. But it'd be interesting to hear from each of you what, what you're really going to take from this campaign that you can implement to the organisations going forward. I knew that we had recruited and attracted an unbelievable high quality team, but I didn't realize just how high that quality was. You know, what, what they have done and delivered and included in that team are, are the volunteers. Right across the fair share story, there are an amazing army of people. So that's, that's the sort of the inward looking thing. And then on the outward looking side is we've always thought that what we do, which is taking surplus food, and then avoiding, you know, when you think food, if food, is, if food was a country, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter after China and the USA. So it's a bloody big problem. And, we, and by taking that, grappling with that problem, to then turn that food into, uh, squeeze the social goodness out of it, drop by drop, so that it does as much good as possible. You know, we knew that that was magic. What we've discovered during this year is that lots of other people think it's magic as well. Peter, what have you taken from from this year that for your organisation? At Homestart UK, we have dropped everything to make this work, really. And we've had such an, to use the jargon, an agile response. But, you know, the fundraising team have been just wonderful, bending over backwards to do everything they can. But it's also the IT team, the finance team, all the members of staff. And so to have common purpose on a project like this is so important and people are getting really excited by that. I've talked a little bit about the pride um, that this has brought to volunteers across the Homestart Federation. And there's something really about saying, I, I think that I've learned from this, the importance of building that pride, building that sense of gratitude with the volunteer base. You know, a couple of things we've done, we did a, a video just saying thank you. And we all just recorded little thanks and stuck it together. Really simple to do. Uh, and we got it out there. And, and, I, and I think it's that sort of thing just to remember your lifeblood really as a, as a charity of volunteers. So keep them, keep them motivated, keep them happy, keep them involved in your decision-making. I think that's really important, but I guess just sort of wrapping it up a bit, I think, I think there is also something about recognizing that communities work because there are connectors in communities making it work. You know, whether it's a home start volunteer, whether it's a fair share charity coordinating food parcels, whatever it is, there are community actors and activists who keep this show on the road. And in a way, our responsibility as charities, as federations, as big charities, small charities is not necessarily to ourselves. It's to these people and communities 
Oh, absolutely. It's nice to hear you both talk about the staff and, and the pride that you know you have for them and what they've seen in the campaign. You certainly should have. It's a, it's a brilliant campaign. Before we let you go, Lindsay won't know this, having not listened to an episode before. We have three quick fire questions for you. And for reasons that will become clear, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Lindsay the first one. So if you could transport back in time and meet your 20-year-old self, what pieces of advice would you give and why? I've got no hesitation in saying trust yourself and have the confidence that you'll have in later years. I think confidence and just backing yourself, not being arrogant, but just backing yourself and going, do you know what? I can do this and I'm good. That's the thing I wish I had when I was 20. Great, great. A nice, clear answer. Peter, second question for you, because I know that Lindsay would choose SharePoint for this. So can you tell us about one life hack productivity tool a habit or a skill that you have taught yourself recently that you think everybody listening needs to know about just get yourself a John Lewis partnership yeah. oh no idea but there's something that I started trying to do when I I thought as a chief executive I wanted really wanted to record weekly uh, week notes you know there's lots of people do tweet notes and things like that so I wanted to put some profound thoughts of, of my learning journey every week right and I did it for about three weeks and then that was about that's about all I could of finding anything profound to say and I started just recording a little clip and so so every Friday I just sort of do a 30 second Friday update and and stick it on our intranet at Homestar and they're rubbish a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> but I think what it what is demonstrated is a sort of an openness and a transparency and a share, sharing what's going on in my head. Not that anyone really wants to know what's going on in my head. There's something about it that I think talks to the sort of transparency that that we need as leaders and the humility. So I, you, maybe it's building on Lindsay's point about you know just having some confidence. That's okay to do that sort of stuff. It doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't have to be brilliant. Uh, just do it. See what happens. Oh, I mean, you are you are preaching to the choir there. I mean, Kenneth and I have been recording our thoughts uh, through this podcast for the past couple of years. So, yeah, we're, we're well with you with that one. <laughs> Kenneth, do you want to go for the last one? Yeah, look, we'll give we'll give this one to, to both of you individually. Lindsay, for you first, as a podcast that, that focuses around people doing more good, what's your favourite story or inspiring individual that you've met on your journey, maybe recently, who's done something good for others? So. Fairly early in the first lockdown, we got contacted uh, by a teacher who said, you need to understand the difference that your food makes. Uh, We as a bunch of teachers decided that we were going to go out and knock on the doors, even though lockdown was happened, knock on the doors of the families where kids were at risk. And we were going to take some of your food as a food parcel. And by putting the food on the doorstep and then stepping back six steps, by we managed to create relationships with the parents or the guardians of those kids. And some instances standing there for 45 minutes just chatting because they suddenly looked at us as not as teachers and as authority. These are, these are parents who would never come to parents' evening or thing like that. We never got through to them. Those teachers who have used this is an opportunity to to completely transform the relationships they have with some of their kids and the, and the parents of those kids are, I think, extraordinary. Peter, what about yourself? Oh, man. Um, 
man. There's, there are. Um, I think the the people who stand out during the lockdown are those who went the extra mile. I mean, everyone was helping, but there's, many people went the extra mile, didn't they? And, and really turned to to the sort of local mutual aid groups that I've seen and cafe owners that have turned all their food over and uh, to, to to others. And uh, there's just so many individuals. I'll, I'll give you one one topical one to finish on uh, to bring it back around to the campaign. It's just a nice small act of kindness, but it, it sort of goes a long way, I think. It's not particularly profound, but it is, it's quite relevant. I was in a John Lewis store on the other weekend and there was a, they have these customer experience desks. And I went there and I saw one of their members of staff was wearing this Give a Little Love t-shirt, but it also made Give a Little Love face masks and printed them herself. And I said I was going to visit, you know, the chief exec and the other senior, senior teams at John Lewis and would it be great if I could have some? And she she was on it, right? And she, she she's doing this in her spare time. She made all these face masks and she got them out and there's very limited edition. There's only like six or seven of them in the world. And she got them to me just in time. So I brought them over, gave them to the, the senior John Lewis team and, they, and I think they were proud to get them. And, but what, you know, it's, it is, it's just a face mask. It's, it's a branded face mask, but there's something about this Judith, her name was in John Lewis, just putting the extra effort in an extra time, the smiles it created on the senior team. And also it means that they will remember this campaign. It will have some longevity, which will mean next time we're making decisions about campaigns, about sustainability of corporate partnerships and everything else. There'll be a bit, little bit in there somewhere that's a bit more memorable than, than just, you know, another campaign, another advert. So it's a topical one for you. Um, but, it, but Judith went the extra mile and I was really appreciative. No, that's a great one. It's, it's sometimes you say it's, it's the little things, isn't it? It's the little things that we remember. Look, I'd just like to say thank you both for, for coming on and, and sharing your views. I think it's it's really interesting, I was speaking for James and I, to, to hear how you guys have operated during 2020, your organisations. I think just thank you both for the work that you and your teams and all of your volunteers do. And we wish you lots of luck in the future. James, any final thoughts, anything you'd like to share at this point? I'm just happy for for Lindsay, who was who was so keen to be on brand for this podcast that he grabbed his T-shirt out of the wash and put it on. So I'm pleased to him that he can now take off a soaking wet T-shirt and go get changed into something a bit warmer. If only I'd realised that it was a podcast rather than a webinar. <laughs> well, broadcasting this one on SharePoint later on, so we'll never listen to it anyway. Um, I'll never find it and never be able to send it to anybody. <laughs> Look, it is the Christmas episode, so. Lindsay Peter, we'll give the final word to you. Lindsay, any any messages of hope for Christmas? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, give a little love. Perfect. Peter? Yeah, give a little love at Christmas and next year as well. Keep it going. Brilliant. Love okay. stuff. Thank we'll you, wrap- guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Thank you so much. There we go. Three episodes in a week. We're done for the year, and hope you are too. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in January. But just before you go, have a very Merry Christmas. If anyone wants to kind of follow up and actually enjoy this thing, where can they find us? Well, we're on Twitter, Kenneth, at Do More Good Pod. Instagram, at Do More Good Pod. Have we gone multi-channel and even gone to YouTube? We have, but you can find all those videos on the website, domoregood.uk. And if you want to contact us by email, please use contact at domoregood.uk.